appear to have made it. This is, what's the word you like to use, penultimate? Last edition of this cycle of 007 and counting where we count down James Bond films leading up to the impending release Mm. of the 25th Bond film, No Time to Die. You said made it like this was some sort of, you know, hard task or something you didn't want to do, like somebody forced you to do this. We started this one, well, we started this last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we started last year with when we thought the movie was going to come out. But then I, I call that like era. I call that like the first era of 007 and counting. This is the second era. So, yeah, we made it through the second one, not counting the upcoming No Time to Die special, big deluxe limited edition episode, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever we want to call that. But, yeah, this this is it. This is it. It's been fun, though, man. It's been really it's been interesting going back to some of these films. I know there's some of them like you have. You, I think there's been a couple you had never seen before, right? I think. Uh, yeah. Which I, ones? Which ones hadn't you seen? Was it Majesty? On a Majesty Secret Service, and I had not seen Thunderball either. Okay, so there was two you hadn't seen. There's a couple I hadn't seen in a long time. Like I hadn't Live and mm-hmm. Let Die. I hadn't watched in forever. You know. I don't think I. I you know what? I, tomorrow never dies. I never saw Tomorrow Never. Yeah, dies we didn't do that one. But you need this. to. You, yeah, we need to talk about. The that world is not enough. Okay. You had never seen that? Man, so this is like, so that's three out of Or Tomorrow six Never Dies. That you have yeah. not, that we The only Bronson film I had seen see. was Die Another Day. And I, you know, we, you know. You saw that. Golden Eye, right? Uh, oh, yeah, I did see Golden Eye. Yeah, but like, like we said before, Pierce, Pierce's run was a, is a big, like, blind spot for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dalton's too. Yeah, much, much. I mean, you know, I've said it before, Moore's run is kind of a, a, not a blind spot for me, but you know, I didn't pay, even though I grew up with him, I didn't grow as, I didn't pay as much attention to him, but mm-hmm. not anywhere mm-hmm. near as much as like your, your uh, Brosnan or, or Dalton blind spot. So glad that this, if nothing else, 007 accountant has uh, enlightened Arthur and uh, informed his Bondiisms. So yeah. what, so, all right, so this, this is the, the kind of the last of the older films that we're looking at. So, what did we choose to kind of the capstone? To, to cap, yeah, to cap all this off. What did we choose? The capstone from Russia with Love, 1963's From Russia with Love. The now, why before Bond film? And before we ahead. dive into why do you why do we choose this one? Why do you think? I mean, because we could have chosen you know many other films. Why this one to be the you know the uh, the finale basically? Well, a, a few reasons I think. Um, one. It is considered by many one of the best, if not the best, in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Craig himself has cited this as his favorite Bond film. Connery mm-hmm. has cited this as his favorite Bond film. Um, uh, John F. Kennedy, this was the last film uh, that he had reportedly seen before his assassination in November of 1963. And uh, he had even said at one point that, that this was his favorite book mm-hmm. that he had read at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that added fuel to making this the second film production of Ian Fleming's uh, novels. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, uh, is the first appearance of Blofeld. Um, he's still not known as name he, by name. He's, right. he's regarded as number, number one, one, even in the credits. Yeah. Uh, I think from, it, from Russia with Love, he's credited as a question mark. The actor's right. credited as a question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first appearance of a John Barry score in a Bond film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, many feel that it has significantly upgraded the uh, score from Doctor No. And this um, is the f- lots of reasons, I think. And this is the first pre-title sequence. You know, uh, Doctor No didn't have one, so this, you know, it's it's it's, it's difficult to say that this laid the 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 standard template for everything that would follow it because a lot of movies kind of the tone of this movie is not you know you get especially when you get into you know uh diamonds are forever or you know the roger moore some of the roger moore films like it's a very different tone than this film so you can't say hey this you know from watch with love just laid it out and everybody follow this exact you know blueprint but there were so many firsts in this film that did you know, kind of lend themselves to these other films, you know, example, you know, like we just said, the pre-title sequence, you know, what would a Bond film be without, you know, that's almost, it's weird to even think of it without a pre-title sequence. Um, There's only one in the series that didn't have one, Dr. No. So this movie kind of set a lot of those things in motion. And then, you know, it took what, I think it took what Dr. No did and saw what was successful in that film and then just kind Mm -hmm. of built off of that. Um, You see, you know, the quips that Bond makes, um, the clothing, you know, they get to go to more locations in this film because, right. you know, because things we're going to get into with Mad Facts. But, yeah, I, I think it was it felt fitting to end with this. And because I know we talked about Goldfinger, we talked about talking right. about Goldfinger. But to me, at least I'll let you, you, I, you know, hear from you on this as well. But to me, at least Goldfinger has been for one thing, has been talked about to death. You know, not that for us mm-hmm. love has been neglected at all, but Goldfinger has just been like, you know, talked about to death. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. I feel as though um, some of Goldfinger's, you know, you could you could argue and say that some of Goldfinger's tropes, some of those things are even more impactful on the series than from Russia with, from Russia with love. But I felt the genesis of those things was in um, Russia. So, yeah, it just felt it felt appropriate. And this one, this movie was kind of like one of the last like just pure cold war thrillers that you would see mm-hmm. almost almost up until daylights you know um the living daylights which we've already talked about and it just felt like yeah let's let's look at this movie because i don't think this one gets as much you know quite as much shine as goldfinger do you think that uh do you feel that from russia with love leaned more into the spy side of bond and less playboy Compared yeah, to Dr. No. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, not, maybe mm, is it compared to Dr. No? Yeah, but, you know, Dr. No still had, there was some cold blooded spy shit that happened in Dr. Dr. No. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Yeah, it was from Russia, it's just, it's, it really, there's parts of it that feel like it could be outside of the Bond canon, you know, although it did, like we just said a minute ago, it set the template for so many things. But yeah, he goes, he essentially goes undercover, you know, as a spy, he plays a role. Um, there's, there's people being crossed and double crossed and triple crossed, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for most of the film he plays, he knows that Tanya is a double agent, but he, you know, plays along as if he doesn't know, mm-hmm. um, there's the whole red grant thing, which we're going to get into. Um, yeah, man, it's just, it was, it was just, it was a, it was an intriguing thriller and we'll talk about this as well, but you can absolutely see the influence of other thrillers on it, notably some of the Hitchcock stuff, um, on this film. So yeah, I, I agree. It definitely had a little bit more of the, you know, Bond as an actual spy in it. And I think that's what was appealing for a lot of people. All right. Well, um, how do we lay this out? Let's, you know, <laughs> this is the fin- final finale of the 007 counting, except for the upcoming No Time to Die show. So if you guys have listened, you obviously know how we do this. But Arthur, 
go ahead and tell them really quickly how we do these uh, type of reviews, Matt and Real Style. All right. Well, we uh, break our conversation up into a few sections. First, starting with what we call Mad Fox, which will uh, lay the land, so to speak, of give the lay of the land of uh, where the Bond franchise was at the time of the production of the film that we're talking about. Then we'll move into the pre-title sequence and the title song um, and the, title, the song slash title sequence, how we feel about that, some comments, what we like and don't like. Then we'll get into what I feel is the meat of the conversation, rated Bond, uh, discussion about how we rate Bond himself in this film and get into his clothing, his attitude, the decisions that he makes, um, how great or not great is Bond in this film. <laughs> Which is going to be interesting this 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 episode because... He wasn't great through a lot of this movie. I I, I got to say, he was not great through a lot. But anyway, we're getting ahead of All ourselves. Right. I'm sorry. We'll keep going. All right. Uh, we'll move into women versus villain and compare the Bond women versus the Bond villains in these two films and see uh, what group uh, really represents and comes out on top. Then we'll have some last words and round this off with Q&A, Question and Arthur, where Isaac will ask three trivia questions from the film and i'll get them all right you know what i tallied up your score before you know throughout these the previous episodes before mm. we started recording and mm -hmm. i gotta say man you've done a lot better than i was giving you credit for i looked at, i was like oh he i because I, I you know in my mind i'm like you thinking you did one thing and then i'm looking at yeah. it on paper I'm like, oh shit he represented so hopefully this episode's um this 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 film's q a is going to be a little bit more difficult for you because um, I actually need you to lose a few points and if I'm going to be able to talk shit. So, all right. So Mad Facts, let's start with Mad Facts. What was going on in the Bond universe prior to the release of From Russia With Love? Well, Dr. No did well, very well. Um, it had a little over a million dollar budget to make Dr. No and made close to $60 million in the box office. Uh, and as a result, the character of Bond um, was successful. It was a profit maker. Uh, and looking to the next film, as I had previously said, Kennedy himself had talked about how he liked this book so much. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they decided to, you know, go with this one. It, You know, it, the, the, the follow-up is... It was difficult for me to, well, challenge, but it was a challenge for me to kind of get an accurate read on these mad facts in comparison with the other films because there wasn't, any, you know, there was this one film before it. They didn't know mm. if Dr. No was going to be, you know, a success or not. Um, but because that it was, you know, you, you saw the return of some of those key characters, um, M, mm. uh, Sylvia Trench makes a brief appearance in From Russia With Love. Um, mm -hmm. Lois Maxwell returns his money penny. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they keep the band together. Did you, do you think that this is... Forward. Do you think that... I mean, we know this is a series. Did you feel like this movie was a sequel, though? Because it's often said that Quantum is the first sequel, pure sequel to a Bond film. Mm -hmm. But do you this, think that this was a sequel to Dr. No? Did you get that feeling? Um, no, I didn't get the feeling that it was a sequel. I did get the feeling that um, the stories were designed to be connected. Like this was a progression of time mm -hmm. moving forward. So let me ask you like this, though. If it was 1963 and you saw this in the theater, would you think it was a sequel? 
you know what I'm saying? Not knowing that, oh, there's going to be, you know, 60 more years of these films. Because you see what I'm um, saying? It's easy. It's kind of like different for us to look back on it, knowing that it is a series. Yeah. But you you go see Dr. No in what, 62. Right. And then the very next year, this movie comes out and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we need to kill this Bond dude because he killed our boy, Dr. No. Right. It's like, do you feel like, oh, this is a sequel to that last film? Or do you feel like, oh, it's a progression like you just said? I know it's I know it's kind of like, you know, um, apples and oranges or whatever. It's not. It's, sure, sure. So but I'm but I'm trying to kind of get a gauge on how you how you view this. Well, you know, to be fair, I probably would have considered this uh, a sequel based on the setup, because early in the film, we see a meeting in Blofeld's office mm-hmm. um, and this plan is hatched of what Spectre is going to do next. And what they're going to do next is related to Bond, but unrelated. Mm-hmm. The idea that they have an opportunity to kill James Bond in revenge for Bond killing their agent, Dr. No, is right. really a value add. Right. It's not the focus. <laughs> it's bonus, right. <laughs> you know? Right. But as the story progresses, there's less and less immediate continuity between the storyline of Dr. No. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you you never even hear anything about Dr. No. Even when Grant confronts Bond, gunned in hand, mm-hmm. he does he says nothing about Yeah, you know. you know what? I'll be yeah, we gotta get when we get to that because that was so interesting to me. You know, it's been obviously that scene is iconic, but sure. What you just said as far as him not mentioning, he really doesn't even get into Spectre. It becomes all about Grant in that scene. It's very personal to him, you know, which is weird because this dude hadn't talked throughout the whole movie. Then he gets to that point and he can't shut up. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, let's let's get to that. But anyway, OK, so, I mean, I, I get your point. I think that technically this isn't a sequel, but technically it is, you know, to me. Right. Um, it's kind of okay. it kind of just walks that line. And when when I hear that, oh, Quantum of Solace is the first sequel I always like to do the Bond snobbery, you know, pretentious thing. But oh well, actually, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, from Russia with Love was like mm-hmm. a sequel. So yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of pulled that one out. But yeah, I, I I see what you're saying though. It is you know you you can kind of argue it either way. Um, so what are the, what are the mad facts? How what else what else what else was going on in the Bond universe? You know, prior to the release of this film. Well, uh, existentially, the Cold War was in full effect, and the novel, the antagonist is uh, Shmersh, the Russian secret agency, mm-hmm. um, fictitious. Um, but in reality, the producers of the film, um, Saltzman and Broccoli, they wanted to lessen that uh, approach. They didn't want to make Russia the enemy. Mm-hmm. They actually wanted to make Russia uh, the patsy. Mm-hmm. And play the Russian government against the British government, uh, with Spectre being at the center and Spectre being the true antagonist, mm-hmm. controlling both sides and causing them to fight each other. Um, so I think that from Russia with Love in 1963, post Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. um, was kind of a, 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 a kind of a tightrope walk. Mm-hmm. To make sure that this film didn't take sides, that's that's interesting as well. Because coming from our perspective, looking back on that time, I always just assumed that yeah, you could pile on Russia. Because in the eighties, 
You remember all those sure. 80s films? It was like, no these problem. are clearly, right? Yeah, exactly. These are clearly the right. bad guys. The, you know, Red Dawn, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they, right. they will Dawn, invade, yeah. they'll kill us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to get them first. It was like, that was 80s movies. So it was interesting to see in, in 1963, them try to be, you know, ambiguous mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and reticent about, you know, who was, you know, the bad guy and create Spectre or, you know, Ian Fleming and, um, uh, what's the name? Kevin uh, McClory and, and the rest of them had created, you know, Spectre before for Thunderball, but in the Thunderball script, we've already talked about that. So the Spectre existed, but it was interesting to see Broccoli and Saltzman say, you know, no, we don't want to have Smirsch. You know, we don't want to have the Russians mm-hmm. as the main baddies in this film. Um, we want to avoid. It was like they were trying to just be apolitical. You know, we want yeah. in case we can get this movie in Russia someday. You know what I'm saying? In case we can get right. this premiered in Russia they have money, right. rubles, you know what I'm saying? We can trans, that becomes pounds. So they became, um, they just represented their capitalism. They were, you know, the ultimate capitalists. And it's like, we don't want to piss anybody off. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting. But I think it helped the story too. Cause I mean, we get the return of Colonel Kleb, mm-hmm. you know, coming from Schmirsch, now being a consultant for Spectre, <laughs> you know, <A> consultant. <laughs> and being, and being the operations arm of this, of this plot to uh steal uh a lector which is a uh a, a physical decryption mm-hmm. uh encryption decryption device mm-hmm. kind of a MacGuffin a little bit right i mean we see it we know what it is it's not a pure MacGuffin. it's not something that we have you know we never lay yeah. eyes on or nobody ever just like opens or show you know we know what it is but it is kind of like that object you know that becomes the center of this plot mm-hmm. that you know, we, and again, a very Hitchcockian thing, you know, obviously it's his, you know, that's the Hitchcock's, that's Hitchcock's thing, the MacGuffin. So it kind of becomes that, but it's a little bit more important. I mean, you know, it's more tangible than some of the other MacGuffins and other films. Right. You know, and last thing that, that, uh, struck me was that going back to earlier when you were talking about, you know, sequel, um, is this was an adult film. Mm. It wasn't, I want, you know, my, I watched this with my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, Sabria wants to see the next Craig film. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was little questionable choices, my father made took me to I love me <laughs> and octopusy and all that. We've already but, covered that in previous yeah, episodes. But what I mean is you that, been you know, in some of those movies, <laughs> right. You know, but what I mean is that, you know, in 1963, mm-hmm you know, a 10 year old boy or a 12 year old boy isn't going to accompany his father to see this film. So the popularity of cowboys and Indians, mm-hmm. you know, the Lone Ranger, um, the rifleman, mm-hmm. you know, that had children wanting to, boys in particular, wanting to, you know, portray these Western characters and be gunslingers. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that translated into the spy Cold War mm. world. So that wouldn't, in my view, necessitate a sequel mm-hmm. so much as make a serial. I mean, make something. Because adults were into radio serial programs, which translated into television productions and, right. you know, 
soap operas and you know things like that. Now I'm a little out of my league because mm-hmm. you know I'm old, but I'm not that old. I wasn't <laughs> dealing right. with any of this in near real time. Right, right. Um, it's interesting though because I think something I thought about. Yeah, it opens up a door for like really, and this is probably another conversation we could have some other time. But it does open up the door to what was the awareness of Bond amongst you know teens or you know preteens or you know mm-hmm. even smaller children. Um, in the early 60s. I think by the time you get to Goldfinger, definitely, because it was a little bit more palatable, I think, for younger children, you know, in the sense of, yeah, you know, you had Odd Job and you had even Goldfinger himself. Mm-hmm. Who would be cool, even who Thunderball, would, Sharks in the Pool. Right. It's like things that. became a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say caricature, but, you know, it became... It fantastic, became, fantastical. Yeah, fantastical, a little bit. You know, even mm-hmm. though Goldfinger wasn't fantastical, it was a little bit more fantastical than, say, like you just, you know, you mentioned Fresh with Love. So I get your point. I think that this was an, a more mature film than a lot mm-hmm. of the other Bond films. Like I said, and Daylights is that like that for me as well, mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. the first half. It's just much more, um, again, Cold War thriller, yeah. you know, um, type of just like, you know, espionage flick. Um, and, and from Russia, when they get on that train, man, it's like, wow, this is like it, it very much. I, I'm going to keep saying this. It does evoke some Hitchcockian feel, you know, obviously mm-hmm. trains, mysteries, um, mm-hmm. you know, is no question. You know, we'll, we'll get into this later, but I'll just say this. I, you know, I had seen. Um, uh, uh, oh, God, why is it leaving my mind now? Um, not to catch a thief. What's the other care grant? Um North by Northwest. North by Northwest. I seen North by Northwest before, mm-hmm. um, a long, long time ago. And then mm-hmm. we were actually talking about it um, either on an episode of SOF of Snobs on Film, or just offline with Jahan, our other bro- podcast brother in arms. And you know, J- uh, Jahan is a Hitchcock, you know, uh, aficionado. Yeah. And so it inspired me to go back and watch it. This was a few years ago, and I watched North by Northwest again. I was like, wow, I really like this movie. Now, as you know, because I hit you up about it. I just discovered like six weeks ago that North by Northwest is available on HBO Max. In mm-hmm. the past six weeks, I probably watched that movie at least four times. You know what I'm saying? Like all oh, the way yeah, through. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. start to finish. You know, mm-hmm. now I love that movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to see the influence of that film on North by Northwest Russia. came out, I think, 59, I think. So, yeah, it's easy to see the influence of that on From Russia With Love. Um, but to your point, I say all that to say that, yeah, it is a, this is a much more mature Bond film than mm-hmm. some of the other films um, just in its it also in its patience, man. It's like, again, we'll get into an rated bond, but it's the patience of this movie and kind of how the plot moves without spoon feeding you things. Um, I thought was very interesting. So, all oh, right. So one other mad fact um, that'll probably again, have an influence on rated bond. The, you know, the books, the Ian Fleming books obviously had, have been out since 1953. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one being Casino Royale but on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the book came out in 1963. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. was writing that film or that book in 1962, I believe, while he was like while they were filming Dr. No um, in Jamaica. He was, you know, down the road or wherever at his estate writing on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, not, mm-hmm. you know, Majesty's as the book comes out in 63. I don't know if it comes out before um, Russia from Russia with Love, the film or after or exactly at the moment, you know, if it was modern times, they would have definitely released it, you know, in the exact same week or whatever that the film, the film is coming out just to capitalize off of that synergy. 
um, from a marketing perspective. But I think it becomes interesting when you look at Bond in this film and then you compare the Bond, the book Bond um, mm-hmm. to the film Bond. And especially if you're comparing film Rush from Russia with Love Bond to book Honor Majesty's Secret Service Bond, two very different characters. You know, okay. on Majesty's, we just talked about it on a previous episode of 007 and Counting. That Bond, you know, falls in love. He gets married. You know, things happen, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in From Russia with Love, you see him really the more, like you just said a, a while ago, the more cold, you know, spy mission first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have time for this broad. You know, it's like she's a double agent anyway, and I'm just going to use her to get what I want. Now, he, he is affectionate towards her um, in this movie. But when we get into Rated Bond, I think it'll just be a little bit intriguing to look at these, you know, dichotomies. Okay, let's get into the uh, the pre-title pre-titles sequence. And and so, how did you? You're you are now Arthur. You, whenever I watch pre-titles to Bond movies now, I think about you because I'm like, you are the harshest critic, or I shouldn't mm-hmm. say harshest. You are the um, most vehement or you know um, analytical critic of some of these these sequences, mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. these pre-title sequences. So, as I was watching this, preparing for the shot, I did think about you. So, what did you think about the pre-title sequence to From Russia with Love? I enjoy this pre-title sequence. Um, oh. I think for it to be the inaugural pre-title in the franchise, um, it's it holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, the idea that Bond is in tuxedo, you know, is what not patrolling but you know sneaking around mm-hmm. in you know an outdoor garden you know large hedges and to have an unknown pursuer after him um actually get the jump on him kill mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and then turns out that this is actually a training session it's really an audition mm-hmm. for uh who can kill 007 um and it's a it's a it's a specter training session mm-hmm. with all of specter there evidently <laughs> did you see it yeah, being like everybody this... comes out it's like why aren't there 100 people 200 people watching in this the training dark session? outside in the dark and like what and it was like late <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah it's how'd like... they how'd they know how'd they know he did it <laughs> right. how'd they know you, right it was like it's... you you got the sense that it was like two o'clock in the morning or something too and it's like really we all have to be so yeah everybody was out there yeah um, um yeah it's good did you so okay so we've also we, we've seen this movie this wasn't your first time seeing this film was it you've seen this oh, movie. No. okay yeah so yeah. we've all seen this a lot and so now it's like yeah we automatically know that's not bond can you kind of like either go back to the first time you saw the movie or kind of trick your mind a little bit into sure you know, sure did that um you know, I, how would you have, how would that have affected you thinking that was bond i yeah so what I do remember was I remember thinking that this was like foreshadowing mm-hmm. and that somehow Bond wasn't dead because, you know, there were like 20 movies, 23 movies after whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> so right. I knew, I knew the end result was Bond's still alive, mm-hmm. but this is some sort of foreshadowing moment. And then the rest of the film is going to play out, you know, like, you know, six weeks earlier or something like that mm-hmm. to lead up to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when the house lights came on and I saw that, you know, there was this group and they were really, you know, training mm-hmm. put, um, it, you know, it, it, I mean, it piqued my interest, but mm-hmm. it, I, I, but I couldn't, I didn't know what I was looking at mm-hmm. in terms of how it related to the rest of the story, you know? 
what's 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 cool is that if you didn't if you if you know that once you're aware that that's you know not bonnie you go back and watch it again you can see connery does little things that are outside just little facial gestures look, and yeah. kind of things he does that definitely say that's not how bond acts you know that's no, not because he it, looked afraid he looked afraid he looked you know he just looked hesitant he looked yeah there's a couple of things i was like oh so that was good it was good acting and it was also a good direction on terrence young's part probably to to indicate that or maybe there's maybe it's even in the script i don't know but mm-hmm. that's something you notice when you go back but it also you know this this pre-title also establishes you know red grant you know who is hands down one of the best villains in the series in my opinion mm-hmm. but his his um uh just kind of the ominous presence of grant you know Mm -hmm, the fake mm -hmm. bond is going through these you know hedges this maze Mm -hmm. um grant is just kind of looming around grant is always aware of where he is you know where Mm -hmm. the fake bond is he's never Mm -hmm. you know in the dark Mm -hmm. about that um no pun intended but the fake bond is kind of you know where's 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 grant at you know and it becomes that way through the that's like the precursor for the entire film you know, all, all the way up until the training sequence at the end, it's like Grant is always looming, you know, and he's always aware of where the the protagonist is. But as the antagonist, he stays in the shadows. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's he stays in the shadows, but he's always like two steps ahead. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that this this pre-title sequence did a good job of kind of being a, a prelude to that. Um, so I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, yeah. it was really and for it to be the first one. I thought it was really well done. You know, one thing to note is very possible that in real time, the impact of what what we think is James Bond dying, mm-hmm. being choked to death, um, was believable because mm. the only the only frame of reference was Doctor No. Mm. So some of those looks that we see Connery give that are cues that this isn't really Bond, this isn't how he acts. Right, good point. We're saying that based on the establishment, the firm establishment of the character. Yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. And it was also funny to me how at the end, after they, first of all, the fact that there was like a live, you know, training session. It wasn't like we're using, you know, uh, fake guns or, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to just hit you with a paintball or something. <laughs> it was like, yeah. no, it was like, I'm going to strangle you for real. You about to die. And he yeah. was, you know, presumably he's shooting at Grant when the couple times that he fires, the mm-hmm. fake Bond is using live ammo. Um, mm-hmm. And they reference that later on in the training sequence when Clev is there and she's like, you know, nothing can compare to, you know, real life situations or whatever she says. And the trainer says, yeah, we, we do live sessions as well. And it's like, yeah, they do because they did kill that dude in the beginning of the film. But it was funny to me how after they, they the guy dies, fake Bond dies, um, my man reaches down and takes off his mask to show us that it's, you know, that's not really Bond. And then it just leave them there. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what was the, you know, and again, they just, well, I like this shot because you see them walking back slowly and there's like, you know, a hundred, 200 specter agents up there. Mm-hmm. It was a cool shot, but it was, it's always funny to me to see them just kind of like demask him for no apparent mm-hmm. reason. And then just mm-hmm. leave them there. You know, so it also cool. gives some weight to the character of Bond and how he's regarded. Yeah. That, that this Good assembly to find out who can, who really has a chance to assassinate this agent. Mm-hmm. That's an um, excellent point because in the training sequence later, yeah, Grant does say the great James Bond. Yeah. Know? So this is not Casino Royale or even Quantum where, you know, he's only been around for a minute. This is an, a firmly established, you know, late 30s James Bond, maybe even early 40s, who's been mm-hmm. doing this for a while. 
Mm-hmm. And even though he's an undercover, you know, secret agent amongst that mm-hmm. espionage community and these in the fantastic, you know, um, fantastical Fleming universe, he's mm-hmm. known. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like they know yeah. who he is. 007. That's that's a legendary British agent. 007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an excellent point. Yeah, they could have had anybody in that training session, but they went to the trouble of putting a mask on this dude, you know, a Sean Connery mask on this guy. So that was interesting. So, all right, so let's get into the, uh, the song. What did you think about the, the title sequence in the song? Um, knowing that this title sequence, this was not Maurice Bender. Um, this was Robert Brown, John, um, who did this one, the title sequence did this one and Goldfinger. Um, and then Bender came back, I believe with uh Thunderball. So, you're also a very harsh critic of the title sequences based on um, you as a modern male yep. and not not a misogynist. So what how do you feel about the title sequence in this song or this uh, film? Um, not among my favorite. Mm, okay. I respect that they tried to, um, you know, add some technical acumen to how the. Uh, the titles themselves, you know, were superimposed over um, the torso of a belly dancer mm-hmm. in foreshadowing the theme that the film is going to be set in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, even a, even a nod to the actual belly dance scene that takes place at the gypsy camp. Right. Uh, in the second act of the film. Um, yeah, but... Uh, um, I it, it kind of harkened back to the the you know just the playboy image of James Bond that was established in mm-hmm. Doctor No, and um, I thought the I thought the score was 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 good. Um, I did feel that it was consistent with the tone that they were trying to set for the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it was just a little too uh, campy for me. It was mm-hmm. it, it was hard for me to separate it from being dated and looking at it objectively in how this would look in 1963 on screen. Mm. Okay. More Dio because I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More time at Chicago. We, we, we know we established a nice little trend on these 007 account. We usually on the main shows, we're kind of, you know, simpatico on everything. So maybe we need to keep doing these 007s because we find more things to disagree <laughs> about, which is mm-hmm. always good. Makes for a good podcast. Um, I, yeah, I loved it. And I think the reason, basically the reasons you said that you kind of, you know, you thought were just okay or cool, yeah. I thought were great. Like, I love the fact that, um, you know, the belly dancer, tying it into the belly dancer we see, la- we see later mm-hmm. at the gypsy camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the titles, you know, flashing over the stomach and kind of the way that everything was shimmering, I thought it was just very tastefully and very um, elegantly done. Mm-hmm. And um as elegant as you can get with the technology that they're dealing with, you know, in 1963. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was beautiful. And then in the colors that they use, you know, for the type, mm-hmm. for the, for the, uh, the typography, the actual colors that were, that were being used, those kind of like reds and greens and, you know, yellows that are kind of, again, they look like the, um, the, uh, the jewelry, you know, around the waist of the, uh, the, the belly dancer. So mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. just felt all very connected and very, um, seamless to me. And I, I thought it was great, but then, it was just accentuated to me by John Barry's score that, you know, they didn't use the From Russia Love, Matt Monroe um, song, yeah. which you hear right. in the movie and you hear at the end of the movie. They chose to use, they used, you know, I guess Jerry, John Barry's rendition of that, but then it ramps up into the, to the James Bond theme, like towards mm-hmm. the end. It's like, 
the way it kind of slowly creeps up, you kind of hear that Bond theme come in little by mm-hmm. little until, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it just, I, I've listened to that. I've, I've listened to the soundtrack by itself before, and I, I always turn it up at that moment because that little slow kind of like ascension into the Bond theme, I thought was masterful. Yeah, I really like this title sequence. Um, it wasn't Maurice Bender, like I said, who was pretty much, he, I think he did 16 of these. So it's like mm-hmm. he's the the iconic, you know, James Bond mm-hmm. um, title mm-hmm. sequence uh, creator. But I thought this one was very well done. So, but what did you, okay, so do you, you notice that they didn't use the song? You heard it later on in the film. Did right. you, because I know sometimes you've had problems like, like with Majesties. You, although you are a Majesty's fan now, as far as that song that's used in the title sequence, because I made you listen to it again, you know, after the episode we did. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, you're a fan now, but this, were you cool with them not using a, the lyrics and it was just instrumental? How did you feel about that? Um, yeah, I felt, I, I felt good about it. And I did recognize immediately that it was very similar to what uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service did later, mm-hmm. where you know, the theme was the score and then the song, you know, was done later, you know, as part of a motif and kind of get that same thing established here. So it, um, it, it, it made better sense for me in terms of its, in terms of its placement. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing too, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, there's still, it's the second film. They're trying to establish, they're getting their legs, you know, their, their weight up, getting their legs steady and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that played into it as well. And mm-hmm. I think I'm used to the title sequence providing kind of a rough narrative or a summary of, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, like Casino Royale, you know, with the cards and that right. and all that. That's, your favorite, that's your favorite one, right? Because you, you've referenced that yeah, several times. So. I think that's your favorite one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for your eyes only, you know, you've got the crossbow and, uh, you know, the spy who loved me, you know, there's the water elements and, and it, you don't see that here, but here, quote unquote, here is 1963 and, you know, there's a certain amount of technology and then there's a certain amount of art direction and there's a certain amount of, so I, I respect what you mean about the use of colors and, mm-hmm. you know, how it all is balanced because it really is thematically balanced in the mm-hmm. elements that they use, um, yeah, but it's just, you know, it's like two, three minutes or however long of, you know. <laughs> belly dancing. Respect yeah. the belly dancing, Arthur. Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's get into uh, to Rated Bond. Let's talk about, like you said, the meat of the episode. How did James Bond himself perform in this film? And I've already given a little bit of uh, foreshadowing to my thoughts. But how, do you, yeah. how did you think he performed in this, this movie, this story? I, I liked the lean in to i am a spy i'm a secret agent this is my priority Mm -hmm. um and the playboy aspect of it was more of uh a you know an aside a by the way it wasn't as um overtly misogynistic than you see in later Mm -hmm. films Mm -hmm. going down um I thought from a clothing standpoint, he looked 
just impeccable. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is this is one of those those movies where really, if you were doing a sartorial kind of breakdown of the film, there's really nothing to complain about on him or on Tanya. You know, there's yeah. really nothing to complain about. Yeah. You know, he really establishes um, the level of his expense account. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Connery had like half a dozen. Um, uh, Seville Row suits made mm-hmm. by Anthony Sinclair. Um, he had Turnbull and Astor shirts and ties. Um, you know, and it was Terrence Young who, you know, the director who really from from Doctor No into this film, who really kind of schooled, you know, took Connery under his wing and said, you know, this is how not necessarily how the Bond how Bond dresses in the in the books and the novels, but how we are going to portray him in this, 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 uh, movie, you know, and it's everything from, like you said, all those, uh, brands that you mentioned, but then to the, the way he wore his cuffs, you know, the cocktail cuffs, mm-hmm. you know, just all mm-hmm. just different things that Terrence Young liked, um, and kind of bestowed upon Bond. So that's always, it's always intriguing to see those, um, those things get carried on, but you, so as far as his, his clothing, his attitude, you like the fact that he was spy first, you know, womanizer second, um, he does get the womanizing in, but it's second. Even Sylvia Trench says at the beginning of the film, you know, you say blah, blah, blah. But then you went off to Jamaica and I haven't seen you for six months. You know, yeah. so it's like, dude, dude I, I thought that was a really kind of cool insight into, you know, because it's like you, every movie he ends at the end of the movie has a woman except mm-hmm. for like Quantum. Um, and maybe this maybe a few others that we could think of. But he ends the movie with a woman and then begins the movie without that woman you know, yes. generally speaking. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to get some insight for one of them to show up and be like, I haven't seen you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, know you just, you just ghosted me, you know, like you, you, like you do. So that was cool. Um, so what else about Bond did you like or not like in this movie? Um, you know, there, I gotta say there wasn't much that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh I you know I I'll say this my 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 favorite character in the film is uh Ali Karimbe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that's not that's an easy call man. That's my guy. That's everybody's guy. Go ahead. Yeah, Pedro Armand uh Armandariz who passed away tragically I think shortly after this movie was released I believe or after this movie finished. I think it was after production. Yeah. 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 Of yeah. uh well, he had terminal cancer, but uh, he committed suicide. Did he? Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew he was very sick during the filming, I think. And he just, he wanted to make sure he got this. I think because he wanted to get this film in and get some, make sure that there's going to be some, his, his family's going to be provided for. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as a, yeah, the character, um, Ali Karimbe, yeah, that's. That's everybody's guy. It was, it was hard to see him go down, man. That was yeah. real hard. You know, <laughs> and I, I I'd, I'd like to believe that in the Craig era that Mathis is a callback mm. to mm. Karim Bay, the mm. same kind of same kind of age, you know, disposition. Um, mm. But with Mathis, they they added a, a layer of mystery, and is it possible that he's double agent? But mm-hmm. you know, Karim is uh, <laughs> he's well connected. He's got mm. a lot of sons. They're mm. all on the payroll, and his operation gets things done. <laughs> Um, he listen he i had flashbacks to your father you know i was gonna bring it he sat down <laughs> next to homeboy and was like 
I've had a particularly interesting, like fascinating life. What would you like to hear about? I was like, Arthur's dad. <laughs> it's like, I felt like that's, that's how I felt. Like the first time I met your dad was like, he had all these stories. It's like, I just sat there and just took them all in. That guy, uh, I forgot the name of the guy. Uh, I think Ben's was his name. He just, you know. Yeah, the Kareem, Russian security chief. Yeah, Kareem just told him, I've had a particularly fascinating life. Would you like to hear about it? And he's like, oh, you would. Okay, great. And he just, he just, you could just picture him until uh, whatchamacallit shows up. You could just picture him just like launching into these fantastic stories. So, yeah, I had a flashback to your father at that point. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, what didn't you, what didn't you like? Well, let me let me let me say this. First of all, okay, I'm gonna hold this up. Viewers, I mean, listeners can't mm-hmm. see this obviously because we haven't started our great cover much, by the way, much fabled uh, uh, YouTube channel yet. But I'm showing Arthur. This is the cover, or this is the a vintage, um, one of the vintage classics um, editions of From Russia with Love, um, which I picked up while I was in London um, hanging out with Jahan. We were at uh, I think uh, what's which bookstore? I think it was Foyle's bookstore in mm-hmm. Soho, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this and I was like, oh, I got to have that. You know, a lot of times the um, the English, the UK versions of books, they'll have better covers than US and then sometimes uh-huh. vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. the US covers will be better than, and not just, I'm not just talking about Bond books, I'm talking about novels, period. But anyway, this is a great cover. And I, I'm showing this to you, though, not just for the cover, but look at, if you can tell, see how thick this first part of the book is, right? Yes. This is all pre James Bond in this book. Bond does not show up until you see this bookmark right oh, here. Oh wow. So Okay. And just so you can see you can see from a perspective, much, we're looking at like a third of the novel. Yes. A third of the novel before Bond shows up. So you can see mm-hmm. how much of the book you get you're reading mm-hmm. through, um, where you're dealing with all these other characters, Spectre and Grant and everybody else, before you before Bond actually even is appears in a Bond book. So I didn't have a problem with that. I thought that okay. was, you know, in the film, because in the film, it's obviously it's not one third of the film, but it is a little while until you get mm-hmm. to Bond. You know, we go mm-hmm. through the top pre-titles. We go through the first, you know, the Spectre meeting. We go through um, Tanya, you know, being recruited and being forced. And her conversation um, with Colonel Club. Her conversation with Club and being forced mm-hmm. to go undercover and give herself, you know, to, to James Bond. You know, sexually, mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. being forced to give up her her um, sexuality in order to to not get killed, basically, because she tells her, if you if you refuse, you're not going to leave this room. So right. we get all of that. Um, we get Red Grant, you know, the introduction mm-hmm. of Red Grant. We get mm-hmm. all these things. And then where we see Bond on the, you know, the Riverside uh, with Sylvia Trench. Um, so a good chunk of movie has happened. I don't know how many minutes I should have looked and seen how many minutes, but a good chunk of movie happens before that. I didn't have any problem with that. But like I said earlier, when we were talking about um, Mad Facts and we were talking about the pre-titles, you get what you see you set up is that Bond is on the for for one of the you know, this doesn't always happen in in films. But we as the audience, we know a lot more than Bond, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. the film. right? Right. But also we actually visually see him literally being two steps behind Red Grant the entire film. You know, Mm -hmm. Red Grant is ahead of this dude the whole way. Mm-hmm. So one could argue, I, I kind of said it, you know, tongue in cheek earlier when I said, um, you know, Bond didn't perform well in this movie. He performed well with the information he was given, but he was on the back foot, you know, for a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. And he had to catch up very quickly um, within a, like a scene, basically. But had he been ahead of, you know, things and kind of uh, he would have been given better intel. Mm-hmm. Karen probably wouldn't have been killed. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of things could have been avoided. Um, but because that didn't happen, you saw Grant literally in one of the best scenes in the film to me, you see Bond on the outside of the train walking to meet yeah. Karen's son and you see Grant, you know, following him inside of the train, inside the train. Right. Great, great, windows. great mm-hmm. scene. Great shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just that was the larger story of this movie is that Spectre, you know, is ahead of Bond and kind of like using Bond, kind of puppeting him along in order to you know, accomplish their goal which is to get the lector and then sell it back to, to Russia for presumably a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel that that, and you know, it, 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 it works both ways though, because what it does is it makes you respect Spectre in a way that say the actual film Spectre, the one that came out in 2015, mm-hmm. one of the failings of that movie, in my opinion, was that it didn't make you fear Spectre. It didn't make you, it didn't make me think that Spectre was this, you know, incredible organization and they were capable of defeating Bond it didn't do that for me. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, because they were so far ahead of Bond, because they had set these things up, because Bond even thought all the way up until Red Grant told him, Bond thought this was Smirsh. You know, he mm-hmm. thought, oh, he was like, this mm-hmm. is this, this mm-hmm. is the Russian agency. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to him that this was Spectre. Um, so they had orchestrated all these things. The guy, uh, the the chess player, the, the Spectre agent, Kron- um, Kronstein, uh, or whatever his name was, he had orchestrated yeah, these. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had orchestrated these things. And, if it weren't for Bond's, you know, quick thinking and kind of, you know, being able to play catch up in literally one scene, they would have won, you know, and that plan would have been executed perfectly. And then also really he gets saved by, uh, by Tanya, you know, a couple of times. So yeah, it's, it was, it was interesting. I, I liked, I mean, overall, let me just say this. I really liked him, James Bond as a character. I liked him in this, in this film, um, for all the reasons you and I talked about, he was just, he was an actual spy, um, he was, you know, spy first, womanizer second. Um, I, I liked his performance in this film, but I, I think I, I realized, or I have to be honest and say, yeah, he wasn't on top of things always. And I actually kind of like that. You know, I kind of like him being in that position. And I wish they would do that more. You know, you saw a little bit of that in Casino Royale, where it's like he really effed up in Casino Royale, where it's like yeah. you can't see the big picture. Um, but I would like to see more of that in modern Bond films where it's like, you know what? He doesn't always have to know everything or be, you know, it's okay for the audience to know more than he does and to have to watch him figure shit out and think quickly. So what, what do you think about all that? Um, I, well, I agree, but I don't know why i guess i don't know why you don't feel that he performed mm-hmm. well was it because of the way that he reacted to when you okay so when you said that you didn't think that bond didn't perform well mm-hmm. i was thinking that you were going to center on the conversation that grant and bond has where grant has the upper hand they're in the cabin bond's got his hands behind his back and mm-hmm. all of well, that Great. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a great scene. And like we said before, one of the things that's really cool about that scene is that Grant doesn't talk throughout the entire film. Right. 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 Suddenly we're in this situation where, you know, I, and obviously as he, he assumes the role of Nash after he kills Nash, he assumes the role of Captain Nash. Mm-hmm. And as Captain Nash, we hear him talk to Bond, you know, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be great old man. And we're going to be doing, you know, it's like, he's, he's being so consistent. Yeah. Right. So he's being Nash and they go to dinner and everything. But then when he finally gets to jump on bond, which again, that's why I'll say 
he didn't perform well and Bond didn't perform well in that scene because he pulled Bond pulls his gun out on him, says, you know, what did you put in Tanya's drink? You know, mm-hmm. he's basically mm-hmm. like, I know you drugged her, but why did you drug her? Yeah. And then as as Nash, Grant is like, well, you know, we need to focus on the mission, old man. You know, well, we're, he's, we're, yeah, we're he's about only got an escape route for two, not three. Right. We're about the elector. Do you want the elector? You want the girl? You know, you what uh-huh. kind of spy are you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's like he's calling uh-huh. them out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I think that in that moment, Bond, who probably has a reputation, you know, of being in the service of being a womanizer, mm-hmm. um, which we mm-hmm. saw in Living Daylights. You know, mm-hmm. he was, it was alluded to that, you know, Sanders says to him you know, forget about the, the, the ladies for once bond, you know? So it's like, he has this reputation. So I think in from Russia, when that, in that scene with, with Grant, when Grant calls him out or, you know, as Nash calls him out, I think it may have been him. Like, you know what? I, he's right. You know, I shouldn't be so concerned about Tanya. This is about the lector. So bond puts his gun away. They start yeah. looking at the map. He, he essentially turns his back to Grant, you know? Yeah even though he's still kind of suspicious, this dude, you know, they had mm-hmm. the the incident at the, you know, at the dinner where he ordered the wrong thing. And mm-hmm. he's just, the he wine. saw it earlier, yeah. he, mm-hmm. earlier, he said, you know, you're very fit um, Nash, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. he has these suspicions about Nash, but mm-hmm. he still turns his back on this dude. And it almost cost him his life. You know, if, if it weren't for Q, you know what I'm saying? Boothroyd, sure. he would, he would have been dead. So, but okay. So that scene though. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. That's that's part of the reason I said, you know, he didn't perform very well. But again, I was being tongue in cheek a little bit because I think that he just wasn't given enough, you know, to perform Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. But that scene, just flipping it for a second and talking about Grant, you see him, Grant, it becomes all about Grant in that scene. Like you Mm -hmm. said earlier, it's not about Spectre. It's not about Dr. No. He's like... You know, I just I take pleasure in seeing, you know, the young or the great Bond, great James Bond squirm. Um, he says, you know, he tells Bond, you know, I'll explain everything. He tells Bond everything. He says, look, I don't mind talking, which is funny because dude ain't talked through the whole movie. But he's like, I don't mind talking. He's like, yeah. He says, you know, I'll be satisfied basically when you come over here and kiss my foot. You know, mm-hmm. it's all these things he's going. It's like, dude, this guy, he really. And it's almost like there's this insecurity that's, you know, that's jumping out of him like. Bond has been held up as this great, you know, agent and Grant is like trying to prove himself almost. So it's like, yeah. if I, you know, this motherfucker ain't so great, you know, I'm great. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that insecurity, like, you know, and he makes, he, he just makes him get on his knees. It's just all these things that happen. And it was really interesting to me. Cause like you said, it's not about Spectre. It's not about the lector even. It's just about, I'm greater than you. Um, which, which came out of left field because we didn't know that about Grant because he had never said anything through the whole film. What did you think about that scene? Um, I did think that Grant was, it was almost like Grant was, you know, playing along with all of the Spectre training because in, in order reality, to get a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, right. He wanted to, he wanted to prove himself against James Bond, like, you know, mm-hmm. for himself and like, you know, right. to, you know, prove to his father that he is worth something or something like some deeper seated <laughs> right. meaning behind his motivations. Right. Um, right. Because like his, it, it, mentioned, it, like, like his dad mentioned Bond, you know what I'm saying? Like said, you ain't yeah. no James Bond. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Um, but I think that it gave, it gave us, an opportunity to see Bond um, outwit his opponent. Mm-hmm. And that is something that isn't, I don't think it's heralded enough in Bond's character. We always talk about the gadgets that he has, you mm-hmm. know, and we talk about 
the you know how the Bond women you know in you know this film or that film you know you know helped him and you know caused the distraction to make him get away you know here we mm-hmm. have a very cramped space in a train compartment Bond is on his knees he's got a gun on him you know and he he, he the only thing that he can do is outsmart the guy mm-hmm. you know and he's able to he's able to go on you know, and do right. that utilizing the equipment that he has at his disposal at that time, um, and appealing to the man's avarice as well. You know, I'll I'll pay I'll double your payment. You know what I'm saying? It's like that was the impetus to get Grant to even take a second. You know, to look like let me let me see what this guy's got. You know, yeah. So Grant, as much as he wanted to kill um, Bond, he also there was that little bit of him that I'm a capitalist too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's a little mm-hmm, bit of that mm-hmm. in me. Let me, let me at least, I'm gonna kill him anyway. So let me see if, I, I, if he has some actual money, I'll take that, yeah. um, you know, and give him a cigarette. So that was, I'm that thinking was quick that, thinking on Bond's part. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking that, that, that Bond's got to make a quick personal read on him because if, you know, if dude's got an escape route and we all know that there's an escape route, well, you know, Bond, the audience knows this, the Bond knows this, Grant knows this. Mm-hmm. Yet Grant is going to talk about, you know, I'm going to kill you slow. I'm going to cause you some real pain. Well, that's going to mm-hmm. take some time. That can't fit your timetable, you know. So maybe there is something there that I love I how you apply Arthur logic exploit. to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you apply the Arthurian You know, you got to shoot me. I got I to feel it. It's going to make some noise. You don't have a silencer on that. I don't know. What are we going to do? You got to throw some taunts <laughs> at me. You know, yeah, I got to act tough, all that. Yeah, yeah you got a monologue, time. a monologue, a monologue, a monologue. Tiny might wake up. Well, who, who knows what's going right, to happen? Right, right. So I mean, um, yeah, I, I think you know, I think we're, I think we're on the same page. I, I, I liked him in this film. Um, he did some make some mistakes, but it wasn't. There are some other films where he makes a lot of mistakes. Like, like I said, Casino Raw, he makes a lot of mistakes. You know, he, sure. he really f's up. He didn't f up to that level in here. He just, you know, again, I think he just didn't have the intel. Um, he didn't even know who he, who the opposition was. You know, he thought yeah. it was Smirsh. Um, it would have changed things probably had he known it was Spectre. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't think he had the intel, but his performance, you know, especially, I mean, this is, you know, Connery between here and Goldfinger, you know, he really kind of like just wrapped his, him, his whole self around this role, you know? So mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. must be said that, you know, he, the comfortableness and just kind of like this became, you know, James Bond became him, you know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. he became James Bond, James Bond became him. Um, and it was a different bond. And you know, like I said, in, in the book, so, I think though, um, where okay. So as far as his performance here and how he how Connery himself performed as Bond, do you think that um, Bond the Bond you get here? Did you enjoy this Bond different? Because he, he is slightly different than Goldfinger and some of the subsequent films. Right. Did you enjoy this Bond more so than you enjoy some of the other Bonds, or is there no difference? Do you not make those type of comparisons? Um. Yeah, you know, I don't make those type kind of comparisons. Uh, I mean, in fact, I I see the Goldfinger Bond as you know an extension of the From Russia with Love Bond. You know, mm-hmm. it's this, it's it's the it's the same guy with the same vulnerabilities, with the same blind spots. You know, put into the same kind of completely helpless helpless positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that. This bond was a little more um, active, and I'm I'm 
I'm thinking completely about the helicopter strafing scene with this, which is the homage to North by Northwest. Right. And um, seeing him utilize, you know, his, his compact, you know, put together rifle. <laughs> right. That was to dope. try to defend yeah. himself. You know, um, I think that his wits, the emphasis on his wits was played uh, to his advantage and uh, definitely in in, in the screenwriting for the story to mm-hmm. kind of give more of a complete, I, you know, I felt like this was a more complete, more 360 mm-hmm. kind of bond. Did, okay. And b- before we move into women versus villain, we would be remiss if we didn't say something about that actual fight, the train fight, because that's one yes. of the most iconic fights in the series. So what did you think about the fight between him and red grant? Um, I thought, it, okay. I thought it was a good fight. I um I'm I'm smiling because you know I can think of you know three train fight train compartment mm-hmm. fights this being the first one and then we've got live and let die and mm-hmm. then of course we got the spy who loved me which is my absolute favorite mm-hmm. and inspector so, later on yeah inspector right mm-hmm. right so um gosh man that fight but um Spy is my favorite with Jaws. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 my favorite one. Um, but I thought it was good. I thought it was I thought it was well choreographed. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of felt what was going on. You know, yeah. it, it it had that same kind of you know, like you felt cramped. You felt like Bond didn't have a whole lot of room. And yeah. I really appreciate the fact that Connery didn't kick dude out through the window because <laughs> that would have just been easy you know right. i mean grant's a big right. guy <laughs> you know um i didn't yeah i didn't have any i, I didn't have any problem with it yeah I, I think um i mean this you know the the specter fight is obviously a kind of a, a homage to this fight and the, and the yeah. brutality of it you know it's uh-huh. just that in 2015 they were able to make it even more brutal and more believable Mm-hmm. Um, but this fight, yeah, the fight and this, this, uh, and from Russia, it, it definitely had that visceral, you can feel it, um, kind of like out of control, unchoreographed, you know, fight, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it wasn't core. It didn't feel choreographed at all. It felt like these two dudes are going to do whatever is necessary to try to win this fight to the point where you, you wouldn't have been shocked if one of them bit the other one, you know, it was mm-hmm. like anything, mm-hmm. um, and I liked how, uh, I liked, I liked how it ended. You know, he, Grant had a gadget, essentially, you know, his watch in the, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? The garage, you know, his watch had a garage basically. And mm-hmm. he, he, the fact that he died by that, I thought was very poetically appropriate. And Bond got his revenge, you know, for Karim, um, his, yeah. his, his guy. Yeah. Um, I like the quip at the end. He took the money back. You know, you won't be needing this old boy you know mm-hmm. um so or old man so um mm-hmm. yeah it, uh, it, it's a great you know it goes down as far as one of the iconic fights i, so, I like that right. they i know we got to move on but i liked i liked that they explained without explaining tatiana not waking up because she was drugged right, as opposed right. to live and let die and jane seymour when her bed is just sort of thrown into the <laughs> thrown up into the ceiling and she's wondering yeah. like what happened why'd you just leave me there and you <laughs> It's, right, yeah, Tanya, and Tanya, and they bumped up. You know, he kicked, he kept because again, to your point, there wasn't any room in there. So right. when he would throw Grant, you know, kick him or whatever, Grant would slam up against Tanya. That happened like two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, great fight, a great fight. And, and, and also it made that fight really quickly graze because we had seen Grant's dominance, like established throughout the film, you know, he sure. wasn't, we knew he wasn't a chump, you know, so yeah, when, he wasn't going to be an easy guy to take, to take down. Right. So when that fight started, it was like, okay, it's about to be one, you know? Um, all right. So women versus villains. So really quickly on the women's side, we have Tanya, of course, Tatiana Romanova, Romanova, um, Sylvia Trench, as we mentioned before, and I always throw Money Penny in there, um, yeah. especially when it's Lois Maxwell, because you know it's just special, special love. So, got to throw Money Penny in there. Um, and then on the, the the villain side, really, we have Spectre, um, who Blofeld is first. This is Blofeld's first appearance. He's not called Blofeld in the film; he's mm-hmm. called Number One. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is his first quote unquote appearance because we don't see his face; we just see him stroking the pussy cat. Um, and Colonel Kleb, um, the trainer uh, who you mentioned, you mentioned his name before we started recording, the dude who was uh, running the training session and then he was on the boat at the end. Yeah, Missouri. Um, okay, yeah, him. And uh, Kronstein, the the chess player. And then, of course, Red Grant, who was a henchman, but mm, kind of, a you know, not a main villain. He wasn't running things. The main villain is really Blofeld. You know, he's the top of the, he's running everything. Right. Um, but if you had to put your, you know, the tangible villains were probably Cleb and Grant were the ones right. who, you know, got the right. most screen time and the ones you could kind of um, right. put your put your hands around. So how did you feel the women performed in this film, the Bond women? How did they show up versus the Bond villain? Like who 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 showed up best in this movie? I mean, I think it's I think it's hands down the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked about Cleb enough and um when uh after the train sequence and after grant is killed um kleb and um kronstein are called uh, called on the carpet by blofeld kleb thinks that she's going to be executed because her man failed her right. man being grant um but it's kronstein that who, gets it <laughs> yeah who didn't calculate properly Mm-hmm. On how this, how this, how this elaborate chess game was going mm-hmm. to, you know, go down, and so, um, Claire rolls her sleeves up, <laughs> goes out and tries to get it herself, and mm-hmm. that right there, you know, showed me Claire trying to get <laughs> down pulls with the Blofeld in Majesties. Yeah, she just like she got involved, you know. She got in, that. yes, yeah, she yeah. got involved and got that, got that venom knife shoe uh, to <laughs> put go in her and, size does, right. does that come in my size <laughs> yeah she got and, one yeah got one for herself and you know and really this was uh it was a great sequence i thought because i think i think bond made the same mistake in part um that he makes on the train where he turns his back on grant mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he allows cleb to pick up the lector in the mm-hmm. first place, and the lector is on a table right next to Bond. Bond's just on yeah. the phone, distracted, yeah. thinking everything is good. Everything's cool. Movie over. Yeah. Movie, yeah, we're done. Um, <laughs> but it's Tatiana that ends up saving him mm-hmm. by getting her revenge on Cleb for putting mm-hmm. her in that situation. So I get, you know, I certainly give points to, to Tatiana for that. Um, but I just don't think it's enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. to 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 um go against Cleb and you know and Grant in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have to agree. This was another tough one for me though, man, cuz I, I I must have a thing for Italian women cuz I think last last episode was it 
Um, I think last episode was the world is not enough. And we talked mm-hmm. about my, my ex-wife, uh, Maria Grazia Perry. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this <laughs> film features, uh, uh, Daniela Bianchi who plays Tanya, yeah. um, who is, you know, if we talk about favorite bond women. She may, there's been times where I've been like, if I've asked that, been asked that question, it's like, yeah, she's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, also that coincides with Russia being my favorite film bond film, um, you know, interchangeably sometimes with daylights, but usually I get, if I get asked, Day- uh, Russia is my favorite bond film. So I don't know if that's, if that plays a role, but anyway, yeah, Tanya is just like one of my favorite bond women. And it would, that makes it difficult um, to say, you know, that the villains in this film were better than the bond women. Um, but they were, and mm-hmm. re- mainly it's, it's really, to me, it's red grand. I think he's just, he's just such an excellent bond villain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I said, all the things I said before about him, you know, tracking Bond throughout the film and kind of shadowing him and being being as like a a, a specter version of Bond, you know, yeah. um, but being a couple steps ahead of Bond. He's just a, a fantastic villain. And then when you throw in Kleb and you throw in, you know, Spectre itself, um, it just outweighs, you know, all the benefits that come with uh, the beautiful um, Tanya Romanova. But then, you know, special shout out, though, to Sylvia Trench. I, yeah. I thought she oh, was yeah. funny as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact mm-hmm. that she called him out, like I said, for not not coming back and seeing her. Um, when he, you know, says he has to go off to the office, she makes a bit of a fuss about it, mm-hmm. takes the phone from him. And then and a, one of my favorite little moments is when she gets him, you know, he's like, I'll be there in an hour. And she kind of looks at him and he says, oh, make that in 90 minutes. And she claps her hands together like, oh, goody, goody. He's going to stay mm-hmm. with me for another 90, mm-hmm. another, another 30 mm-hmm. minutes. I just liked her in this movie. And then Money Penny. You oh, know, yeah. I thought Lois Maxwell was great in this film. Um, the funniest scene is when uh, she's in the office with him and the other ministers listening to the reconnaissance tape that mm-hmm. Bond sent from mm-hmm. the conversation that he and Tanya had on the office to bribe <laughs> right. the elector. Right, right, right. And she's, you know, she's been, she hears a little information she probably shouldn't hear. And she's, Emma's like, all right, it's time for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's time for you to go. But yeah, she, I mean, her flirt, her flirtation with, you know, Connery's Bond was just, you know, that set the template for everything that came later. Um, so I liked her in this film, but yeah, ultimately, man, it's the villains. They just, yeah. they killed it in this movie. Um, Robert Shaw's portrayal as, as Grant, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, Robert Shaw plays disdain very well. I mean, you see that, um, uh, in Jaws. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he's, is disdain for Roy Scheider and um, (laughs) (laughs) especially Richard Dreyfuss's characters. Yeah. That scene was, yeah. Cause it was that scene at night where they had been drinking and everything right before it's kind of like the calm before the storm. And he basically just lets, lets, lets loose on them. Like you motherfuckers out here playing around. I'm out here for real. Yeah. He tells that story about world war two. So now we get into jaws territory, but speaking of jaws, (laughs) I also see Grant as the prototype for jaws. And that mm. hands down is my favorite Bond villain. Bond right. Jaws the the human, not the not the uh, not the, not the fish, not the <laughs> not, not the, the fish that appear in Thunderball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I thought you know, and again that scene, man, where he the the vitriol that comes out of him, you know, mm-hmm. towards Bond, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you know you you know you think you're this and that, you know, and I've been ahead of you the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. And the girl, you know, she doesn't even know what's going on and I don't mind talking. He just lays it all out. It's one of those, you know, the villain giving their whole plan away is really cliche and kind of, you know, corny. 
but it was done so well. And he, in this moment, because it was like, he acknowledges the fact that, yeah, I don't mind telling you all this, you know, mm-hmm. because you're about to die anyway. And I want to show you how much better I am than you are. Um, so yeah, he was, he's, he's just a great villain. So yeah. Villain for this movie. All right. Any, any last words before we jump into Q and a, um, not many, but, um, great film. Where does this, where does you this haven't rank seen it, see it for you? Sheesh, you know, it's I, I always find it hard to rank films, um, mm-hmm. but it's I mean, easily in my like top one, three. I mean, it's top easily, three easy, okay. easy, easily top three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, it's a little bit, obviously it's all subjective, but if you like it, you know, the more fantastical, you know, wild, like Moonraker type of bonds, like this is not going to be one of your favorites, mm-hmm. you know, but if you like the mo- the the Cold War daylights, you know, even the Casino Royale, you know, if you mm-hmm. like that type yeah. of bond, like this is definitely, you know, the template for that. This this is what kicked all that off. So definitely one of my favorites. All right. Q&A, Arturius Maximus. Now, did I, I don't know if I said this on air, but yeah, I tallied up, man. You, you've done pretty well. So let me see. Um, I wrote it down somewhere how you've done recently. Um, up until this point. So you may be surprised to know. I'm going to run these down. Hmm. Live and let down. Now, actually, first of all, for anybody who hasn't heard Q&A yet, question and Arthur. This is where I ask Arthur three trivia questions based on the film that we just talked about. Arthur gets 25 points for each question he answers correctly. Um, you guys out there, you should play along as well so you can tally up your scores um, at the end of each episode and then at the end of the 007 and counting series. Um, so you can see where you rank amongst as far as your Bond fandom goes. But Arthur, so Live and Let Die, the yep. first movie we reviewed for this this go around of 007 and County. Mm-hmm. Do you guess how many points you got out of 75? I don't, I don't remember doing that well. So maybe I think I got 25. You got 50. Really? You got 50 out of 75. So you got two out of three right. Thunderball, you did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Two out of three right, 50 out of 75. Daylights, the living daylights, the third film we talked about, you got, you only technically you got 50, you got 50 out of 75. You missed a question, but then you came back and got a bonus, right? So you got 75 out of 75 on that one. Okay. Then you hit a real stride. (laughs) This is why I said, I mean, these questions, next time we do this double or seven accounting, like a run, it's going to get mad serious. No (laughs) pun intended. Um, On her majesty's secret service, you got 75 out of 75 clean sweep. Okay. Then you did a repeat. You uh on on the world is not enough. You got seventy five out of seventy five. No bonuses. Right. You just right. you just cleaned up. So right. really, all I say all that to say is that if you don't get three out of three today, I'm gonna be highly disappointed in you. All right. Mm. <laughs> so no pressure. Question in Arthur um, for 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 from Russia with love, uh, and I'm gonna do this. Uh, you know, as, as usual, I will repeat the question twice um, before Arthur gives his answer. And now that I'm looking at this, wow, Arthur, there's two out of the three questions. Mm-hmm. We've alluded to two of them during the conversation, so you oh okay. You bet, as I always say, you bet get those right. Um, all right, first question: After Red Grant assumes the identity of Captain Nash, he Bond and Tanya have dinner on the train. What choice of wine and food pairing is Bond's first or perhaps second indication that Nash is not who he says he is? I'm going to read that one more time. After Red Grant assumes the identity of Captain Nash, he, Bond, and Tanya have dinner on the train. What choice of wine and food pairing is Bond's first or perhaps second 
indication that Nash is not who he says he is? Um, Nash paired red wine with fish. Let me check my notes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. 25 out of 25 on that one. All right. So listeners, if you said red wine with fish, that is the correct answer. Um, and if you watch that scene, Bond, like there's a little flicker of Connery's eyes over at, at Nash when he orders that. Yeah. Because um, the waiter does says the way uh, the, the waiter does it. the waiter. The waiter starts off and just kind of like assumes that he wants. Yeah, he white prompts wine. him. Yeah. Yeah, and Nash is like, no, 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 the red kind, you know, because I'm Russian or whatever he is. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was that was his first kind of indication, um, or maybe second, because like I said, Bond did mention that Nash was in really good shape, um, which was weird for somebody who sits behind the desk, like Nash does, or yeah, like the real Captain Nash does. All right, second question, um, and this this version of Q and A, and this is another one that we've already talked about. Jesus, I got to make these harder. While interviewing Tanya about the lector, Bond mentions that he and M once had a, quote, interesting experience, unquote, in a certain city. Which city was it? Read it again. Mm -hmm. While interviewing Tanya about the lector, Bond mentions that he and M once had a, quote, unquote, interesting experience in a certain city. Which city was it? The answer is Tokyo. <laughs> nice little pause there. Cause for a second, I just, I was like, maybe he'll say Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was Tokyo. It, it was, that was, that was a hilarious scene, man. Cause M, if you watch, go back and watch M like real quick. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> he right. He off, switches like, it off. <laughs> We're done. We got enough. We have nothing to <laughs> and you wonder what did Bond and Bernard Lee get up to <laughs> how'd they, in Tokyo? How'd they get down in Tokyo? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are there people still in Tokyo talking about that? Um, yeah, so that was cool. All right, last question. Hopefully this will be the stumper. This one is not easy. All right. Throughout the film, Bond and his allies use a recognition code to identify one another. It begins... Can I borrow a match? I use a lighter. That's better still. What is the last line of the code? (laughs) I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Throughout the film, Bond and his allies use a recognition code to identify one another. It begins, can I borrow a match? I use a lighter. That's better still. What is the last line of the code? Arthur Turnbull for the win. Do you know it? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Ah, I can't it's remember. Not the shoes, Arthur. It's not the shoes. <laughs> if you something, ah, better. If you would, you, ah. would you like to, would you like to read? You can't phone a friend, but I can read it again. Would you like me to read it again? Yeah, one more time, if you don't mind. One more time. All right. One more time. Throughout the film, Bond and his allies use a recognition code to identify one another. It begins. Can I borrow a match? I use a lighter. That's better still. What is the last line of the code? I don't know. I can't remember. 
I can't you remember. Do you yeah. want a hint? Yeah. Right, I'm going to give you a hint. Only because you're my boy. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. Uh, the last line had refers to the lighter. The middle line is, I use a lighter. Then the next person says, that's better still. Then the person comes back and says something about the lighter. Yours is very nice. I don't know. (laughs) I do not remember. The answer, the correct answer is, I'll read the whole thing. Can I borrow a match? I use a lighter. That's better still. Until they go wrong. Until they go wrong. That wasn't an easy one. Even though they do say one. they they do say they use they that say it twice, like three times, and then I think it might be you, three times. Yeah. Well, they they do it three times, but the third time is between is between Bond and Grant posing. Right. So you don't hear, but you don't yeah. hear the dialogue, but you know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. He does it with Nash, and too, Grant overhears yeah. it. Because Bond and Karim's son do that exchange. No, I, and, you know, I don't think that's where he heard it at. Really? I think, because I thought that at first too. I think he says later, we sweated the recognition code out of your man, um, the, another agent. Oh. Uh, Red Grant tells Bond that. So when he's out, because I know what you're talking about, when he's outside yeah, yeah, the yeah. airport, he's yeah. too far away unless he reads lips. And plus, one of the guys had his back to him, so he couldn't hear that. That's he was true, too that's far true, away. that's true, that's true. But they uh, I forgot that he it. said that. But I'm glad they explained it. But I forgot right, that they tortured they tortured somebody and got it out of them. Um, so yeah, zero out of twenty five on that one. You know what? We're going. We're over time. But fuck it. This last bonus finale, finale episode. I'm gonna give you a bonus. You're not gonna get this either. <laughs> if you get this, I'll be really impressed. Uh-huh. And I didn't even write the question down, but I got the answer here. So I'll just I'll just freestyle it. Bonus question. Bond at the uh was it the Istanbul hotel, he orders okay. breakfast. He orders yeah. breakfast for himself yeah. after the yeah. whole gypsy scene. Yeah. Yeah. He says, he picks up the phone, says, Hello, I like to order breakfast at nine o'clock for one. He orders three things. If you can give me two of them, I'll give you twenty five points bonus. Okay. He orders <laughs> he orders figs. He orders figs, yogurt, black coffee. Give it up. Mm, what kind of figs? Come on. Um, <laughs> what kind of figs? <laughs> and this is something I've never had. I don't think I've ever had figs in my life. But I'm assuming there's different kinds because he it specified. It stood out to me because I'm like, oh, that's nasty. Um, it's a color. It's a color. Green. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <that's> correct. <laughs> I was trying to remember his cadence. <laughs> uh, if y'all can see Arthur now, he's like, he just, he jumped out of his chair. He's like, he all amped up. Oh yeah. So yes, it was green figs, yogurt, coffee, very black. Coffee, so, very black. Yep. Yeah, 25 points bonus for Arthur. Damn. See, I'm, I'm too nice. That's how you get all these points. But that was. Because when he's with, when he's with the previous, the previous day with Karim, with um, Karim he has, um, what is it? Like mild sweet coffee. Yeah, yeah, he does order that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it stuck out to me that because because Karim, I think Karim ordered it for him. Well, he ordered it, and then Karim just said, "Bring two of those." Got yeah, it, got so it, got I, it. Right. I wonder right. why he did switch up. Um, why he did that? Maybe it's just different times of day. Maybe dude just likes different coffee, different. Maybe times he needed to wash that nasty figs and yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Cream figs and yogurt. I'm like, what kind of breakfast is that? <laughs> 
Yes. All right. You, you, you got, I mean, with the bonus, um, you got another <laughs> 75. I say about. So, you know what? I'm not going to add all this up, but I'll just say that your Bond fandom, or at least your ability to pay attention to movies after you recently watched them is very good. I belong on the show. <laughs> very good. I validated good. my presence. You validated your presence. <laughs> so before, and before we go, just out of curiosity, what did, um, you said Sabria, your 13 year old watched it mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. This is, a, this movie is, you know, going on 60 years old now. So obviously mm-hmm. this is way out of her wheelhouse in terms of stuff that she usually looks at. So yeah. what did, what was her impression of the film? I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't, you know, expect her to be like, yeah, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. You know, but. she liked it. She liked it. Um, the aspect, the, the, the fact that it had a very, the, the mystery aspect and mm. the little bit of the whodunit Mm-hmm. where Grant was behind a lot of the killings, a lot of the bodies showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kept her going. That's interesting. Okay, so the mystery of it was what appealed to her. Okay. The things That's... that she questioned were things that were just, they were just very date-specific. Right, right. You know, or dated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. I, my goddaughter taking after me, loving the mystery. I like that. I I mean anything to get the younger generation, you know, anything that appeals to them. Because the, I mm-hmm. mean, the truth is that if you get a little bit of a hook into you, as far as like some of these older films, not just Bond, I'm talking yeah. about even even we were just talking about North by Northwest, mm-hmm. um, which is another. She'll probably if she like that, if she like this, she'll probably really love that. Cause, you know, the see, that's what I want to try out. Yeah, yeah. On so her. those type of things, you know, it grow. It's like you get a little hook in you, and then as you get older and you start appreciating more, it's like that that just grows. You know, your appreciation for those things grows. So that's cool. Cool. All right. So, Arthur, we are going to be back um, soon after we go see No Time to Die, um, Mm -hmm. which we 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 got tickets. Right. You got the tickets. Right. Did I get was I supposed to get the tickets? You got got them. Right. I got got them. them. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I must have them somewhere. I wouldn't have forgotten something like that. So we got tickets to go see this. We got tickets. But just make sure that you have paid your prime membership. Just make sure. That your prime membership <laughs> you <know what? laughs> is valid, dude. It's two weeks away. I think you can let go of that. I think you can let go. Of I that understand. Now. It's, it's I, a week I, away hey, from the UK premiere. I um, understand. As we record, however, this, so. <laughs> <laughs> when this episode drops, however, the film we don't, we don't want to get on the mic, you know, and just be like, "Hey, man, I saw it, Isaac. What'd you think?" You be like, yeah, "I didn't see it because you know I didn't keep my prime membership up <laughs> right, right. Uh, in Delta." Um, you know, but you know, when this episode drops. UK will have, you know, we'll get there. We'll have the movie. They'll have no time to die, which means yeah. basically I'm going to be off social media for a week. <laughs> so right. Avoiding all social, avoiding all spoilers. So, but this, um, this, this is the final finale episode of 007 Accounting, except for the special mm-hmm. episode of 007 Accounting, which will be coming um, right after we see the film. Um, we break down no time to die. So listen, if you don't already get to have your tickets, go grab them now for opening weekend. Cause, um, I, you know, I don't anticipate spoilers being able to be kept like in check, you know, the weeks following the, the, the dropping this. Film. I feel like after October 8th, I think it's going to be a free for all. And you, you just want to like completely stay off social media, um, to avoid spoilers. So get your tickets now, come back and join us for the, uh, the breakdown, the mad unreal breakdown of the film, um first bond film in what six years um so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be one all right this has been mad unreal my name is arthur my twitter handle is a r r t h u r r that is isaac perry his twitter handle is i s a a c p e r r y 
reach out to us on Twitter, hashtag Mad Unreal. Talk to us about From Rush With Love. Talk to us about the 007 and Counting series and let us know what you're looking forward to from No Time to Die. See you next show. Peace. Keep it unreal.